Chair, staff is ready when you are. Good evening. Welcome to the October 2nd, 2023 Sacramento Youth Commission business meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call a roll to establish the quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Patel. Uh, Commissioner uh, Rosco. Rosco. Um, Commissioner Rios. Present. Commissioner Miller Segura. Absent. Commissioner Coilas? Present. Commissioner Bergen? Present. Commissioner Fong? Present. Commissioner Morley? Present. Commissioner Fitt? Present. Commissioner Taylor? That's absent. Commissioner Knox? Present. And Chair Shu. Present. Thank you. We have chair, uh, we have quorum. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. You have two minutes to speak once you're called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept slips. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nissan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwan Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today of these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's histories, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. There, there are no speakers for this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Okay. Um, do I have a motion and a second to approve the consent calendar? All motion. I'll second that motion. I have a motion by Commissioner Fong and a second by Commissioner Bergen. Uh, clerk, will you please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Patel? Aye. Commissioner Orozco? Aye. Commissioner Rios? Aye. Commissioner Miller-Segura? Absent. Commissioner Coilas? Aye. Commissioner Bergen? Aye. Commissioner Fong? Aye. Commissioner Morley? Aye. Commissioner Fitt? Aye. Commissioner Taylor? Absent. 
Commissioner Knox? Aye. And Chair Shu. Aye. Thank you, motion passes. We will now proceed to the discussion calendar. Item number two is the Sacramento Urban Forest Plan Draft Plan Outreach. Do we have a staff presentation? Cool. Hear me? Okay, there we go. Uh, good evening. My name is Rachel Patton. I am a sustainability analyst for the Department of Public Works and the staff lead for our Sacramento Urban Forest Plan. Um, do I have control with the clicker? Okay, thank you. Um, so I'm here to talk to you today about the Sacramento Urban Forest Plan. Um, we are finalizing the draft plan and are going to be moving towards our public review period um, coming up soon. And so I want to introduce that plan to you guys and discuss um, opportunity for the Youth Commission to be involved in the review process. Um, as a part of my presentation, I'm going to just discuss background for the Urban Forest Plan. So we'll discuss a little bit about what the Urban Forest is why we need a plan, how it relates to other city planning efforts, and then how you can be involved. Um, so this urban forest is um, essentially the trees that are within our city. Um, so the trees in our built environment. Um, in Sacramento, prior to the city being built, this was a grassland. So all of the trees in Sacramento were planted by people, which is pretty a phenomenal aspect of our urban forest. And because the tree is around people, um, it's around our buildings and our streets, it's really important that it um, is maintained and cared for for the safety of our city, which makes it, the urban forest unique to natural forests um, like you would find in nature. Um, the trees throughout our city provide a lot of benefits to us as individuals and as the community at large. Um, those benefits fall into three different kind of categories. So we have social benefits, um, things like when you're around trees, your stress level reduces. It's easier for you to go outside and exercise. Um, environmental benefits, so trees clean the air. They help retain stormwater when it rains. They reduce the temperatures um, around our community. And then economic benefits. The trees increase um, economic prosperity in the city by things like increasing property value or directly shading your house or apartment so that you spend less money on heating and cooling. So why would we have an urban forest plan? Um, obviously trees have a lot of benefits to us as a community and within Sacramento there's actually about a million trees. Within the city about 10% or 100,000 of those are directly on city property. So they're managed by the city, they're on streets in the public right of way, they're in our parks, they're in our city facilities. And then about 90% of them or about 900,000 are on private property, they're in backyards, they're at your school, they're managed by other agencies. So it's important that we're looking at um, trees across the community and making sure that they're being managed appropriately. The city plays a major role in the urban forest. Uh, one of the major, major things that they do is directly manage those 100,000 trees. Um, so the urban forestry department, the parks department, other departments within the city maintain trees that are in um, public purview. Um, other departments within the city also enforce the tree ordinances, um, manage development requirements, making sure that trees are included when we build new areas of the city, um, promoting plantings, and establishing other policies and programs as it relates to urban forestry. Um, looking at the urban forest across the city, there's a number of important issues and kind of challenges that are present. 
um, one of them being equity. So when you look at trees across the city, making sure that they're in every neighborhood um, and that some areas of the city right now have more trees than other parts of the city. So that's a major concern that this plan aims to address. Um, another important issue is making sure that trees are continue to be incorporated into development as we build new parts of the city and that when we're building areas um, and increasing density, um, building you know, infill development that we retain trees that are already existing. Climate change also is a major impact on our urban forest, um, specifically increased drought that impacts our trees. They don't get as much water as they need or things like um, the major storms that we saw at the beginning of 2023 that had a major impact on the urban forest as well. And because only about 10% of the trees are managed by the city directly, um, it's really important that the city's not the only partner working on issues related to the urban forest. So partnership and community involvement is another major aspect that this plan tries to address. Um, when we look at the urban forest right now, we have about 19% tree canopy. And essentially what that means is that when you look at the city from above, um, about 19% of it is directly shaded by trees. When you look at this uh, map on the left, you can see that gradient of kind of the white neighborhoods to the medium green, light green, and then darker green. That shows the distribution of canopy across the city. So you can see that right now, there's some parts of the city that have less trees and some parts of the city that have more. So the average is 19%, but that percentage varies really dramatically depending on which neighborhood you're in, what type of zone you're in, that kind of thing. Um, and when we lay that canopy map next to things like urban heat island, um, specifically you can see here um, those areas of the city that have less trees have higher heat. And so that's a major concern. And when we talk about equity and climate change and all those areas where trees play an important role, it's really important that we're looking at the distribution across the city. And, and um, so that's a major goal of this plan and something that um, is, is extremely important to us. The urban forest plan is essentially the main planning document that uh, regulates the maintenance, sustainability um, of the urban forest. It sets goals and priorities for the urban forest. Um, it addresses a lot of these issues that we discussed with trees, establishes actions that the city should take in the form of recommended policies and implementation measures. Um, and the other thing that the plan does is because we included a lot of research about the urban forest, it gives us a baseline that we can look at as we implement the plan and then we come back and re you know, review the plan um, in five, 10 years. We can look at you know, where did we start, where have we gone, are we meeting our goals, that kind of thing. The development of the urban forest plan has been a process. Um, we started the development plan in 2017. Um, we're just finalizing the, the draft plan now. And that process of development has included a lot of different elements, these three elements specifically that we, um, you have on the screen. I've kind of showed you some data from that, but it did um, include a citywide tree canopy assessment. So that's looking at that distribution across the city, all one million trees. Um, we did an analysis of the city tree inventory, looking really specifically at that 10% of trees that the city owns and manages. And then we engaged the community and did a lot of deep community engagement. Um, one of the important things that we did was we um, established a partner advisory committee of partners throughout the city that are really deeply engaged in the urban forest, experts in the field, 
um, and community leaders from different neighborhoods across the city to meet and um, help us set, identify what the community priorities were. We also did an online survey and went to, uh, did pop-up workshops at existing community events. So the urban forest plan um, kind of fits within other city planning documents. Um, you can see this graphic kind of describes how, but essentially the, the general plan sets the main priorities for the city, and then the urban forest plan implements the general plan, and there are other city codes, ordinances, and design guidelines that implement the urban forest plan. So part of the reason this has taken us so long, you know, we started in 2017, we're coming up at the end of 2023 now, is that we are aligning this plan with the general plan update, um, and so that's an important element to understand. Um, when you review the draft climate action plan and the um, general plan, one of the measures there sets this goal for the urban tree canopy, and that is to increase tree canopy from the 19% that we're at now to 25% by 2030 and 35% by 2045. So that is a central goal of the urban forest plan and something that kind of guides all of the other goals that we have. When um, the, the Sacramento Urban Forest Plan has five main goals. Those are to grow, steward, manage, engage, and sustain the urban forest. And specifically, youth engagement is one of the major strategies that we have for that engagement goal of the plan. Um, you can see I've pulled out the exact language from the draft strategies and actions there, but essentially we want to engage youth as leaders in the urban forest program and focus some of our targeted programs at um, increasing youth literacy and um, engagement and education at public schools. And that brings me to where we are here today. So um, we are wrapping up our, we're finalizing the administrative draft of the plan now, and we're going to be beginning our public engagement portion of um, finalizing the plan. And so I have two opportunities of engagement that I'd like to share with you guys today. One is that we are going to be reconvening our partner advisory committee um, starting in November and having them review the administrative draft plan before we finalize the draft. Um, and we Originally in 2018, when we had that, 2017, 2018, we had three youth commissioners actually sit on that committee. Um, and I'd love for any of you who are interested in participating and having a deeper review of the plan, meet with us and join that committee. Um, so that's one opportunity I'd love, love for your um, feedback and input on. And then um, once we finalize that administrative draft plan, we will be releasing it for public review and comment um, in December of 2023, and that'll be open for a minimum of 30 days, likely a little bit longer, and go into early 2024 for full public review and comment, and um, we would certainly welcome and appreciate your input and suggestions there. And that concludes my presentation. Awesome, thank you so much for the presentation. Clerk, are there any members of the public who would wish to comment on this item? Thank you, Chair. We have no speakers for this item. Great, then we'll move to commissioner comment. Um, for those who are new, you can click to request to speak and then I'll call on you in the order that you show up on my screen. Commissioner Fong. 
Um, so first of all, thank you for the presentation. I think what you're trying to do with like increasing the amount of trees is really amazing. Um, I was just wondering though, what are the tree ordinances that you mentioned earlier? Sure. Um, so we have two specifically tree ordinances. I think one is city code 12.56, um, and that is our tree protection ordinance. So it regulates which trees can be cut down or pruned in the city. Um, I don't want to quote, uh, I don't have it memorized. So um, essentially it protects large mature trees and native trees in the city. And then the other um, ordinance that I don't have the number on the top of my head, but it is our parking lot shade ordinance that requires parking lots to have 50% um, shading in the, in the city. Great, Commissioner Corliss. Hi, thank you so much uh, for the presentation. I was just wondering, I know one of your goals was to partner with public schools to help plant more trees, which is great, because I know my school has like barely any trees and it sucks. Um, but I was wondering if the plan gives funding to the schools or just helps the schools plant trees through other methods that um, they're not funding. That's a great question. Um, the plan does not specify the funding mechanisms and um, it's not, it's not a part of uh, funded programs within the city. We do um, partner with specifically Sacramento Unified School District. Um, we've been working with them on applying for grant funding. Um, so most of the, uh, right now that's our, our strategy is to apply for grant funding and pursue that as an opportunity, um, both in partnership and then just supporting their efforts to, to seek funding as well. Awesome, thank you. Any other commissioners? I have someone in the queue, but I don't see their name. Okay, cool. So I noticed that there's a correlation between like underprivileged areas in Sacramento and um, the trees that are planted in that area. So I was wondering if when you guys do these like community outreach events that if you're like specifically like going to those areas and like. Absolutely, and um, that's absolutely the case. There is a correlation between tree canopy and um, disadvantaged communities and um, that, that's for a number of factors. Um, but we do target our outreach to those areas and we um, have made sure that there is also representation from those neighborhoods on our partner advisory committee. Other commissioners? Okay, um, thank you so much for the presentation. Um, I'd kind of like to add what, to what Commissioner Rios was saying. I think that um, a lot of the graphics in the presentation were like very nice and very like descriptive of kind of what these issues are in these communities. And I'd, um, I, I'm not sure, well, it, it wasn't explicated in the um, presentation, but I'd encourage you to, um, even though it may be harder and more costly and things like that, to um, focus the increase in canopy for, uh, in 2020, 2030 and 2045 um, to the disadvantaged areas that have less trees to try to, um, as a way to um, increase equity in those areas and um, decrease like disparities. Um, yeah. That, that, I guess if no one else has any other comments, thank you again so much for the presentation. It's great to hear from you. Thank you. Um, we'll now move on. Oh, this item is receiving files, so no vote is required. We'll move on to our next item. Item number three is the Sacramento Youth Commission scope rules and responsibilities.
staff presentation is coming. Cool. Commissioners. Um, so I am bringing back an item that was put on our log during the August Sacramento Youth Commission business meeting. Uh, Chair Sue requested that staff bring back a presentation clarifying what the Commission's duties, functions, and authority are. So this is going to be an overview that will hopefully help commissioners better understand their scope of work and influential reach. So we're going to go through some of the information that's on the slide and we'll break down some of your scope and, um, and functions. So. The SYC mission statement is to protect, preserve, and enhance the quality of life for Sacramento youth by advising the city council and the public on issues relating to youth policies, programs, and opportunities. The main functions of the commission is to increase public input and participation in the determination of city policies and operating procedures. In other words, outreach to your demographic, which would be youth. Additionally, SYC uh, reviews and makes recommendations to city staff and or the city council on matters within its scope, uh, scope of authority and responsibilities. These would be the Youth Commission's powers and duties. There are seven powers and duties in total. Power and duty number A, letter A, is to provide recommendations and advice to the city council, the Youth Development Policy Manager, and the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Department on policies, projects, programs, and other matters pertaining to youth. The matters upon which the commission will provide recommendations and advice may be referred to the commission by the city council, the Youth Development Policy Manager, the Director of Youth Parks and Community Enrichment, and uh, the community or members of the commission. Second one is to assist the youth parks and community enrichment department in promoting city services and functions relating to youth. Following is to assist youth in understanding the workings of city government and to encourage youth to actively participate in community affairs and city programs, similar to your, uh, your hashtag SAC Youth Voice work group. Next is to conduct an annual workshop to review the city's annual operating budget and capital improvement plan relating to youth programs and projects. So those are the updates you get. You received the budget overview last meeting. Um, then following that is to conduct studies and investigations and coordinate with other youth groups and organizations regarding youth issues and needs. And then to, uh, to review complaints and other matters pertaining to youth issues as requested by the Youth Development Policy Manager, the Director of Youth Parks and Community Enrichment, and or the city council. So your commitment and expectations. The expectation of all commissioners, not just uh, youth commissioners, are to attend meetings and communicate when you're going to be absent. Um, you're supposed to possess high ethical standards and disclose any conflicts of interest. And lastly, to avoid unlawful meetings, which we all know anything above quorum, outside of business meetings is a no-no. Um, the clerk's office did an orientation with you at the beginning of your term, um, and that kind of lays that a little bit more in further detail. So when communicating with adult allies, I realized that came up as a question when the request came in. Um, we've always been open to emails, texts, phone calls, um, or one-on-one -on -one meetings. Uh, Dominique has done an amazing job at meeting you where you're at. Um, she's been meeting some of you at schools during your lunch hour, meeting you for coffee after schools. Some of you are coming to City Hall, et cetera. Continue that. We're open 
on all levels of communication. We are here to help you. Um, Ms. Rhonda says, guide by your side. We try to live and breathe by that. So we are here to help support you, make sure that you're following the rules and responsibilities as a commissioner. Um, as I stated earlier, this is just a brief overview. So if you're interested in getting more information, you can find it on our website and in your SYC manual that was given to you at the beginning of your term. So all of this is laid out in full detail. Like I said, I just kind of grabbed pieces from the orientation, snag pieces as far as your powers and duties. Those were read and written exactly as they are stated, as those are not you know, there for interpretation. They are what they are. Um, so thank you. I'm happy to take any questions if there are any. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah, for the presentation. Clerk, are there any members of the public who would wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. No, we have, there are no speakers for this item. Great. Okay. Um, commissioners who wish to speak on this item, um, especially new commissioners or even if you're not new, just any um, general questions that you may have, it's a perfect time to ask them. Don't be shy. Um, Commissioner Fong. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I just want to thank you for the presentation. Yeah. Any other commissioners? Okay, cool. Um, so I guess um, one of my questions was like, um, in the slides, it was very clear that the adult allies are open for these um, these types of communication. But I think, um, kind of what um, what type of resources can we expect in these types of communication, um, and the kind of I guess yeah, I guess like what what types of resources do you think we um, should expect to be available um, when we reach out to um, the adult allies or assistance? Sure. So we can always uh, answer your questions directly. Um, if we need more clarification, we have the clerk's office and the city attorney's office that if we have a hard time coming up the response or we don't know, we're not shy, we're going to ask. We don't want to give you misinformation. So um, we will either directly quote what is given to us or we can send you a link with the direct information. Um, and if there's more further detail that you are requesting, we can kind of break those things down piece by piece. Um, if the semantics are something that, you know, kind of catches people up. For sure, cool. Um, and I guess a follow-up to that is um, in terms of, like, well, I, you may have, like, covered this already, but in terms of, like, um, specifics and stuff like that, um, there probably or may be some, like, uh, deference to the city clerk or the city attorney and stuff like that um, in terms of, like, more technical matters of the commission. Was that, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's kind of just like a yes, a yes or no. Just kind of, um, is that so, something? So when you ask us a question, if we don't know the answer, we're going to seek out the response. Okay, we're going to seek out assistance from the clerk's office and the city attorney's office. Great. That's correct. Okay, cool. Um, if there are no other commissioners who wish to ask questions. All right, awesome. Thank you again so much for the presentation. Appreciate it. Um, this item is received and filed, so no vote is required. We'll move on to the next item. Item number four is Aquatics and Camp Sacramento program updates. Staff presentation. 
evening, Commission. My name is Sean Swanson. I'm the Recreation Superintendent, and I work with the Aquatics Division. I'll be joined by Patrick Maradon, the Aquatics Recreation Supervisor. We'll be providing an overview of our summer 2023 aquatics operations with the City of Sacramento. The City of Sacramento operated 11 neighborhood pools this summer, four wading pools, and the North Natomas Aquatics Complex, which is a regional aquatics amenity. Uh, between all these facilities, we are running seven days a week offering recreation and programming at all of our pools. Uh, it's a heavy lift for the aquatics team to staff all of these pools, and one of our biggest challenges is staffing, uh, particularly with a lifeguard shortage um, that was last year nationwide and then continuing in through this year. The aquatics team did work very hard with some creative strategies to help address these challenges, one of them being we lowered the age of lifeguards that we hired to 15, um, and additionally, in anticipation of a shortage of senior lifeguards, we added additional positions of lifeguards and worked to fill those and then use those to fill that void. Uh, recruitment is a major effort for the team. We did 24 recruiting efforts, um, largely in high schools, ranging from South Sacramento to North Sacramento, everywhere in between, and then additionally, even in cities surrounding the area, plus five different uh, virtual recruitment events. We hosted 17 lifeguard classes and certified over 225 lifeguards in preparation for our summer season. Last year, we were recognized by the Red Cross as being one of the top aquatics training facilities. Um, and this year, we trained even more lifeguards than we did last year and anticipate a similar uh, recognition. Uh, with that, I'm going to turn the presentation over to Patrick Maradon, who will give an overview of our programs this summer. All right, good evening. So again, my name is Patrick. I'm the aquatic supervisor here with the city of Sacramento. Um, I'm gonna give you kind of a numbers presentation here. So to start with, these is, uh, are our numbers for our recreation swim, which is our, our public swim across all of our sites, and we have them in a three-year trend. Uh, this year, uh, we had just over 100,000 people attend our rec swims across all of our pools, uh, but we also do extended season at our Clooney Pool and our North Atomas as well. So those numbers aren't quite in this slide yet, so we do expect to have very similar, maybe even a little bit higher uh, rec swim totals once we do our final calculations with everything. This is actually a slide which uh, has it broken down by pool, so your attendance by pool. Um, as you can see, our hub pools like Meadowview and Clooney um, and our regional aquatic center like North Atomas are kind of our big Rexham. Meadowview is down in our south area, Clooney in the kind of that central Sacramento and then Natomas obviously in our northern area. Um, the rest of those pools are what we consider our neighborhood pools, um, which have a lower attendance. We also have four standalone waiting pools. Um, these are actually free for the public. Um, and this is just a breakdown of the attendance at each site as well. This, this uh, attendance number is rolled up into that uh, rec swim total as well that you saw on the first slide. We're really excited this season um, that we did the most swim lessons ever for the city of Sacramento. Um, as you can see, we had over 2,900 swim lessons. However, we still have our extended season for this as well. We extend uh, programs like swim lessons, water aerobics. So you'll see as on the slides are going that these numbers aren't finalized yet, but we continued with swim lessons. And this number actually um, rolls up our basic water safety, which is a, a free swim lesson program that we offer, uh, adult lessons, uh, group uh, youth lessons, as well as our junior lifeguard program. Again, our numbers for uh, water aerobics and lap swim 
um, it kind of falls into that same thing where as we put our final numbers in, uh, we expect to be very similar to, pri to prior years. Uh, for water aerobics this year, we did add deep water exercise, so a new uh, program, and we also added a drop-in at Simple. Um, so we're always trying to look for some new exciting places or programs that we can add each season um, to, to just try to expand our offerings. One of the things that we're really proud of is uh, the amount of scholarships uh, that we provide within our division. Um, as you can see this year alone, we did almost $40,000 in scholarships and reimbursement to the, to the community and our lifeguard staff in a lot of different ways. So one of them is our lifeguard scholarships. That's for anybody that can't afford or shows a financial need uh, to take the certification classes with us. If they uh, apply, show us a financial need, then we pay for their um, certification classes. Uh, as you can see, we had about 28 lifeguards that took advantage of that. And then if you end up, um, Maybe you don't have a financial need, uh, but you take one of our certification classes and you decide to commit to us for the whole summer and you're working through us, we actually reimburse that, that a portion of your lifeguard fee as well for your cert. So that was another 6,000. Um, those basic water safety classes, again, we did 242 uh, participants and that's a free program. So we, we you know, have it as about $2,000 worth of free swim lessons that we provided. Um, and then we partake in the summer reading program as a partner with the library. And one of the options, um, if you know, a community member reads enough books is they can use it towards free rec swim for youth and adults at any of our facilities. And we had a really big number this year. Uh, we had over 3,000 people um, get free swim passes totaling over $14,000, which is really great. A lot of people are reading books and then come into our pool. And then last but not least, our Swim Safe Scholarship is actually a program scholarship. So um, a program like our Swim Lessons um, or our Junior Lifeguard program. Again, if you apply, show financial need, then you can actually get those um, fully paid for. So again, in total, we did about $40,000 in scholarships and reimbursements this summer, which is really exciting. Um, we also hosted a large swim meet. It was the USA Swimming Futures Meet out at North Natomas. Um, this was partnered with the DART swim team, which is one of the competitive teams that rent um, and utilize the facility. Um, this was a really big meet, really fast meet. Um, we had swimmers from all across the West Coast that came down, stayed in Thomas for an entire week. Um, there was even uh, times that qualified for Olympic trials. So there's some really great swimmers, really fast swimmers at that meet. And we're really excited because meets like that provide a really large economic impact to the area. It's not just about renting our facility, but teams coming from Alaska, other states, staying for a week, you know, utilizing our hotels, our restaurants. So um, it's really, really exciting. We're already booked for next year, and we have even more future meets um, with other types of programs like our Master's Swim and uh, Synchronized Swimming uh, to come as well. So it's a, it's a really big part of that facility. Couple special events coming up. So um, in a couple weeks, we have our floating pumpkin patch. Uh, we're hosting it at North Atomas on the 21st of October and then at Meadowview the following weekend on the 28th. $5, get you a pumpkin. We have, obviously you can be able to swim in the pool, but um, you know, paint your pumpkin, carving, carnival games, it's a really fun time. And then the following week, um, we do our doggy dip days down at Meadowview and that's uh, November 4th and 5th. $5, get your dog in. So. Maybe we'll see some of you guys out there. If not, uh, you definitely tell your friends. We always look forward to these. They're, they're really, really fun events. And with that, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to Sean to wrap it all up. All right. 
Um, and then our final slide is a shout out to the staff. Um, you know, between the leadership staff of the full-time staff, um, the supervisors, the coordinators, our pool maintenance staff that work really hard to make all this possible are definitely uh, have a lot of gratitude for them. But the majority of our staff, our lifeguards, our senior lifeguards, our assistant pool managers, pool managers, over 200 of them um, are youth. And you know, we're really grateful for having such a dedicated youth workforce here providing the programs at our pools and without them it wouldn't be ha able to happen. Um, and that concludes our presentation. Thank you. Thank you so much for the presentation. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this item? Thank you, Chair. Yes, we have one member of the public who would like to speak on this item. Mr. Davis, please go ahead. My name is Lambert Davis, and I, I normally don't come to the chamber because I call in, but because I heard about this item, and I'm a fond believer in this group. You know, the Youth Commission is very important to me. Uh, I wanted to comment on Grant High School's pool, because that's where I come from. That's what this hat is. It says the Grant Drumline. He just went to Europe and came back from that, and they had problems getting out of here to get there, but they got there. That's why I'm here for the youth. But Grant Pool, when I was growing up there, was open seven days a week in the summer, and now it's restricted, and that's not equity. When, a, when people in the neighborhoods, the, chute, the, the youth, cannot swim. It's very hot in Sacramento, and when I heard that canopy uh, that is Del Paso Heights. They need more shade there. So if you're going to have equity, put the money in Del Paso Heights. Don't put it in Woodlake. Don't put it in these. See, in District 2, there's over 20, dis 20 uh, communities. And when you have over 20 communities, some communities are well served, even in District 2. So remember that. But remember, the youth need to learn be able to go swimming. I can't imagine us growing up in the 60s and 70s and couldn't swim. Our parents and grandparents would have protested that because that's a health risk. So that's it for me. Thank you for your comments. We actually have one more speaker for this item. Um, Angela, please go ahead. Oh, so the next. Okay, sure, that's no other speakers for this item. Awesome. Thank you, Mr. Davis, for your public comment. It's good to finally see you in person after three and a half years of you calling in. I really appreciate your dedication um, and coming to all our meetings. It means a lot. Um, any commissioners who would like to speak on this item? Commissioner Patel. Um, thank you for your presentation. I live in and represent District 1, so we've been directly impacted, like positively impacted by the results of the North Natomas Aquatic Center. Um, I was wondering what some of your specific outreach methods were. I know at like, um, I think going to schools is a really 
um, big draw, like especially a lot of students at my school and like the swim and water polo teams um, really loved being lifeguards. So I was just wondering if you had any specific ideas about outreach. Yeah, absolutely. So one of that's one of the first things that we do when our season ends is we literally just start like let's start recruiting again. What does that look like? Uh, we have. Uh, four full-time coordinators that are responsible for a lot of different areas, but one main one is recruiting. So um, the first thing that we usually do is put our recruiting plan and our map together. So we have an Excel spreadsheet that has all of our contacts at all of our schools, um, all of our prior events, so we can start reaching out, hey, are you hosting that job fair again, doing those types of things. Um, then we literally call every single school counselor and say, hey, can we get down there at, during a lunchtime, you know, set up a presentation. Um, and that's kind of across the board. It's not against, not just regional. I mean, we were over in West Sacramento and um, I know a lot of the other aquatics directors, they usually call me up and they're like, I heard you guys are trying to recruit at my pool and I'm like, hey, it's all open. Um, and then even at North Thomas, as an example, we were out there during the pickup the pickup time when all the parents are out there walking out, handing out flyers to the cars saying, hey, I don't know if your, your son or daughter is interested, but here. So we, we, it's the biggest thing that we do in this off season is focus on that recruitment um, because again, we can't provide the services or have the pools open without it. Um, and if we're not putting in all that effort, then we can't turn around and tell the community, I'm sorry, we're not open. We have to be able to say, we did everything that we can. We put every you know step forward that we can and this is why we can provide what we can. So hopefully you saw some of us out at your sites and maybe at some of your other schools, you see some smiles. So yeah, we really try to focus on schools, but job fairs, community events, um, any city event, we pretty much try to get a table at as well. You're welcome. Commissioner Knox. You know, I just want to say that there's, it takes a, it takes a lot to go to each school and um, recruit. You know, it takes a lot because you were at, we were at um, Kennedy and I was recruited as a lifeguard for this summer. And I don't know if you still remember me, but um, I was recruited. And um, it takes a lot because, you know, you, you're there with a stand. You take your time out of your day to do what you do. And I feel like that, that's very important because some of our youth don't have these opportunities to go out and find a job. And that you come to the school where they always are at, right? Because that's what they do nowadays. You know, the youth come to school and they they looking for something to do. And that I just want to thank you. Well, that's a great presentation, by the way. I just want to thank you because you are what make a difference in our community, right? You go to the schools. You guys do a great job with um, getting, giving jobs out to the youth in the, in the community. And then the scholarship thing, that is so amazing because, like, some of, some of the youth do not have it. They don't have it. Their mothers don't have it. So it's a good thing that you guys are doing a scholarship thing because it helps out for them. So I just want to say thank you for what you guys do. You guys are, you guys are appreciated by the Youth Commission. Um, so you guys are not left out. Um, one more thing, sorry. Um, and another concern with Mr. 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 Davis was saying, you know, like Grant, he, well, as he stated, Grant was, um, the pool was open during the summer, right? And um, he said there's need to be a change there. And now that you know that concern, you know, we can maybe hop on that and maybe make a difference between that. Because, you know, if that was a legacy throughout the years that he was, you know, going through school, then we can continue that legacy on. Because Grant has, a, is, has an amazing staff, et cetera. So that's, a, that's another concern you guys, uh, you guys can hop on that. So um, you guys have a great day. Thank you.
No, and I appreciate you a lot for that. And actually, it's not just our full-time staff. It's people like our part-time staff. They actually go out to those recruiting events when they can and really say, hey, it's a great opportunity. So I'm expecting you to be at our future recruiting events saying what a great you know, experience you had because we do appreciate it. it is a lot of work. And it's those staff like Sean um, had said that really put that effort in, even the part-timers for that. And I think Sean can jump in towards the, the grant. Yeah, and I appreciate you addressing that. Um, and obviously, uh, access to pools and the equity and making sure that we maximize opportunities is a, definitely a priority for the aquatic section. Um, currently, our, our main goal is to open and operate all of the city-operated facilities. Um, and you know, we did make sure that we opened uh, Johnston Pool is the, the one closest to that, that one, which is the school district pool. But uh, yes, appreciate the comments we'll take into consideration. Commissioner Fitt. Sorry, my name is Anthony Munoz. I'm a recreation manager uh, with the IPSI as well. But I just wanted to add, in addition to that, uh, the ongoing recruitment process, um, addressing the equity piece across the board and going back to Johnson Pool. We did a resurfacing project there two years ago, so we addressed that issue. In addition to grant running their pool this year, we did expand our hours of operations um, across the board at all of our pools. So we originally staffed to open four days a week. Uh, we opened five days a week at all of our locations, giving more access uh, to the public across the board. Commissioner Fitt. Um, I wanted to thank you for your presentation. It was very informative. Um, when you guys were speaking about the water safety programs, how they're optional, I really like that they're for all ages, because I think it's really important. A lot of people you know, need to learn about water safety. Um, I was just wondering what those programs entail and if there's any way you um, kind of use those programs for all the people who use your pool, not just the people who sign up to take the program. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So the basic water safety class um, was one where, um, again, due to staffing and constraints and a lot of different reasons, we can only offer so many swim lessons and they fill up very, very quickly. So we wanted to try to find a way that we can still provide that baseline safety and more of a drop-in matter. Um, it is still weekly, but it's not the commitment, let's say, that a, a, a full-time uh, swim lesson is, and again, those are um, get impacted pretty quickly. So with those programs, it, it's hosted by the staff that are already there for like our rec swim, because we already have staffing there. They stay an extra half an hour or a start a half hour early, and then anybody from the community can just come in. They can still sign up, but we'll even accept drop-ins, and, and that way it's open to anybody. And then when they're there, we kind of sort them through their swimming level and then provide the kind of water safety and swim lesson that's um, appropriate for them, and so there is a curriculum behind it. Um, again, it is focused on water safety aspects, so floating um, and you know getting yourself in and out of the pool, basic stroke development. Um, so it's a little bit more safety related than learning to swim, just if I'm just being honest, but I think that's the most important first step is we gotta make people water safe, and then from there we're able to you know advance through becoming a better breaststroke or a better butterfly. So uh, those programs, they are available at um, a lot of our pools. Um, in lieu of if there's not some lessons available and they're open to, to all ages as well. You're welcome. Um, Commissioner Rios, I think. Okay, cool. Um, so now that you have lowered, oh, first of all, thank you for the presentation, it was great. Um, but now that you have lowered the age to become a lifeguard to 15, have you guys seen like a spike in the amount of lifeguards that you are getting to help combat the lifeguard shortage? 
Yeah, absolutely. So that was something that other organizations have done. Um, I was with the city of Folsom before coming over here. I know a lot of other cities. And um, really the biggest thing was just trying to work through some of the Red Cross standards. And once we were working and they allowed us to certify at 15 years old, we said, let's go ahead and do it. Um, and yes, we did see we hired um, over a hundred something just like first year lifeguards. Um, in fact, uh, Sean was fantastic, my superintendent uh, of looking and saying, hey, we knew we were gonna be short in some of our senior guards. Uh, just coming out of that 2020 pandemic, we were kind of been filling the like retention piece of getting um, you know those people that were here one year, we, we didn't have all those staff. Um, so he was able to get some non-budgeted positions to really fill those, turn those senior guards into new lifeguard positions. So we've really actually set ourselves up uh, in our opinion, um, really great for next year because now instead of maybe having 70 to 80 uh, first year lifeguards, we had like 115. So now we can fill those senior guard positions next year and we really truly expect to get roughly that, you know, to fill all of our lifeguard positions where we were feeling the hurt was kind of that senior guard assistant manager level just coming out of the 2020 pandemic, just not having enough staff, you know, we were half staffed and didn't hire enough. So um, it was really great and, and we definitely, uh, the 15 year olds absolutely helped for that. So. I appreciate the question. Yeah, perfect, thank you. To add to that note, uh, this year was the most first-year lifeguards we've ever hired. Um, and partly it's by hiring younger people, but also it's uh, the hard work and recruitment that uh, Pat and his team has done. Commissioner Morley. Firstly, I wanted to thank you for your presentation. It was wonderful. I just wanted to express my, my happiness to hear that you guys are offering the, like, drop-in safety water course, or I'm sorry, whatever you guys call it, but I think it's very important because I know generationally speaking, there's various groups everywhere that have not been given the opportunity to learn how to swim, or even how to handle situations where you're found in near or in water. So to hear that now in various communities, we can learn how to swim and learn how to deal with ourselves in water, that is just wonderful to hear. So thank you so much. Uh, first thing I want to say thank you guys for your presentation. I represent District 2. Um, what Mr. Davis said about Grant Pool, you know, my sister went to Grant and my cousins went to Grant, so they would always tell me about how Grant Pool was always open for that long period of time. Everybody gets to get, um, you just go and have fun over there. Um, but one thing I want to ask is how's, what is something that you can do to help like extend that, kind of like that legacy? Because now hearing that community and like peers and friends is always that, we have to sneak into Grant, try to just enjoy the pool, have to hop the fence and things of that sort. So what are things that you can do to help really let it be more open to the youth, because I know summertime is always super hot, but not every kid has the transportation, the needs, and the funding to go to the Thomas Aquatic Center, to go different places of that sort, and nobody's really aware. Everybody really knows District 2 for Grant and Grant's pool, Grant's football, such things of that sort. Um, so what are things that we can do, or you guys can do especially, or we can do to help out to extend it to for that time being? Um, so with uh, we understand that that grant has a legacy um, and the pool's uh, popular, but with it being run from the school district, what we've been able to do is um, is it's it's our recruitment process. It's our it's our ability to to train people to offer you know uh, offer the scholarships and and make that skill set accessible across the board, uh, communities across the board, and the more recruitment we do. Um, just because we're, we're training somebody and somebody gets a scholarship to come get their lifeguard, lifeguard skills with us doesn't necessarily mean they end up working for us. So, um, you know, where we can contribute is by training those lifeguards and helping the school district um, have lifeguards available to be able to open the pool. 
Thank you. Commissioner Knox. Okay. What is, um, what can we do? So as you were saying about the district and the staffing and all that, what can we do with the Sacramento Aquatics and the, and the school district so we can get these schools? Okay, what, what can we, so what have you guys done with Hiram Johnson to get their pool open to have enough staff there? Uh, what can we do at a grant in District 2? Because we keep seeing grant keeps getting brought up. So what can we do with the district and with the aquatics so we can get this finalized? So we can get this, you know, so we can have some, so, so we can have an open community out there in Death Paso Heights. So, so the biggest piece is going back to what Anthony was saying where uh, the, the school district run pools aren't run with, by us. However, we're always happy to partnership. We have a partnership with North Potomac. And I think the first piece of that is, is, is really, so you saw the 225 lifeguards that we certified. They don't all work for us. In fact, only you know, of those lifeguard certification classes that we do, about 60% work for us. And I talk to a lot of other cities. I, I'm in a group of, of aquatic managers and they always say, oh, all of our staff, they, they go to your classes and then they come work for us. And I'm always like, yeah, but it's a great thing at the end of the day. We're providing more lifeguards to be able to provide more pools in the entire area. So going back to what um, Anthony was saying is I think that if we're you know, trying to be a part and help with that, it's really trying to continue to expand our lifeguarding classes, doing at those recruitment events, talking to, and getting more lifeguards at those pools so that they're able to operate that. So the school district says, hey, we actually are getting enough lifeguards so we can be able to offer some sort of program. So I think that's probably your best and first step. And we're always happy. We have, we expand even more lifeguard classes every year. Again, this was the most we've ever done. We do multiple some weekends. Um, so their opportunities are out there. So maybe the other piece would just be trying to get, make sure that the outreach is going of, of the available classes. And those are always on our website as well. So they always have a full list of lifeguarding classes that run year round. So it's a great opportunity for kids to be able to get their certification. And then if they don't work for us, they can work for their school, their school district, and maybe be able to provide um, you know, extra staff or an extra days that it could be open. That would be my, my suggestion and best first step for sure. Great, um, thank you for the presentation. Um, I think the, the lifeguarding that, the lifeguard training that you do, even if it doesn't go to um, the city's aquatics programs and going otherwhere, other places, like you said, is a really great thing. Um, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about like the school partnerships that you mentioned um, and kind of like what that entails and maybe um, what would that look like to do that at a place like Grant, um, or like what are the limitations, or what kind of just like why, why is it not happening right now? Uh, we currently have one partnership, um, and that's with the North Natomas Aquatic Center. Um, and that one, the school district did bring a significant portion of money towards the building of the facility, um, and in such, they we have an agreement where they're able to use the facility for. Uh, certain amounts of times and for their swim teams and, and those kinds of things as a part of it. And that is uh, the currently, that's the only partnership that we are running with, with the school districts. Okay, cool, gotcha. I thought, wasn't super clear on that. It's, so it's like the money from the school district is going specifically um, to the construction of the program so that they get like usage hours. It's not like you're going to a district pool um, and doing some sort of partnership with a pre-existing district pool. Um, so something like that at the grant pool would not necessarily be possible, correct? Correct, it would be a different situation. Okay, cool. Um, even though um, 
I'd love to see some sort of um, like partnership between the city um, and grant the um, school district that grants in to kind of open that pool up more. I think it's a really, really integral part of the community to have those things open and accessible in all neighborhoods. Um, I know that right now with the framework that we have currently, it's um, not possible, but I encourage, um, I encourage y'all to kind of look into that and see what, what things are possible. Um, yeah, any other commissioners with comments? All right, great. Thank you again so much for the presentation. Really appreciate it. Um, yep, this item is received and filed, so no vote is required. We'll move to the next item. The next item is member comments, ideas, questions, and meeting slash conference report. Um, basically, for people who are new, um, this is where the clerk will call roll. Um, everyone will go down and talk about different things that they've been doing in their communities to uplift youth voice, engage themselves civically, um, and things of that sort. So clerk, can you call the roll? Commissioner Patel. Um, recently, I have been growing my school's Girl Up Club as one of the co-presidents. Um, it kind of took a hit after COVID, and so we're trying to start different drives to benefit the communities, like we're um, just beginning a menstrual product drive, which will then donate the products from that to a local woman's shelter. And so kind of doing different things like that, being open to hearing um, different like participants' voices in, within that. Thank you. Commissioner Orozco. Uh, currently right now, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Is it possible to come back or something like that? <laughs> sure. Um, Commissioner Rios. Okay, so I just started um, a club at my school. It's called Latinos Unidos. So we're incorporating Latino-based culture, Latino culture-based events into school. And we're getting our group and uh, looking at field trips and volunteer events where they can get more involved in the community. So if you guys have any ideas, I'm willing to take them. Um, but other than that, I did attend a uh, uh, primetime teen meeting with Do uh, Dominique, uh, as well as a 916 day where I got to plant a tree. So it was really fun. Thank you. Commissioner Miller Segura is absent. Commissioner Corliss? Um, <clears throat> recently at my school, I've been um, growing, my, growing the music club at my school, which has been really fun. Um, I've also, for our work groups, we've also met with our, uh, we finally had our meeting with our Aggie Square team, which um, proved to be very useful and informative. Um, and I've done some volunteering at my local YMCA. Thank you. Commissioner Bergen. Uh, recently at our school, there was a club rush, and I joined the Nova Reach Club. As far as I'm aware, the first item on their agenda is a feminine products drive, um, and their first meeting is going to be Friday, so I'm excited to see how that goes. Thank you. Commissioner Fong. Oh, yeah, so for the youth voice outreach like work group, 
we're working on uh, maybe creating like a website or a link with a um, survey that we've already created so that um, youth can learn more about the Sacramento Youth Commission and like um, be able to like provide feedback and like um, problems, like talk about problems in their community like easier rather than like having to um, interview some or rather than having to email someone and I think the um, development work group is going to work on advertising that via like social media and we're also um, still working on drafting an email to collaborate with the county youth commission possibly and then um, personally I've been working with the Wellspring Breakfast Club at my school we have our first meeting with the um, freshmen coming up actually tomorrow where we um, make breakfast and lunch for the Wellspring Women's Shelter by our school. Thank you. Commissioner Morley. Um, okay, so senior year has been a really interesting start. We just had our club rush and I act as president for two clubs. So it was really interesting running back and forth to check on things at my Black Student Union and also a club I just found it called the Science of Coffee. Um, I got 30 people to sign up for both clubs. I'm so grateful that my Black Student Union president was um, very hyped for that. So uh, it's been really cool. And you know, additionally, I've just been trying to kind of highlight a lot of stuff going on in the community in my AP Gov class, especially Youth Commission. I tried to invite some people here, but you know, we all have our commitments. Uh, but besides that, I've just been trying to ease into this last year of high school. Thank you. Commissioner Fitt. Um, so I've been volunteering with this organiza organization off and on a lot during the summer, not as much now because of school and other priorities, but this organization called FITRA, which they basically give like leadership skills and like job opportunities to underprivileged youth who are like in and out of foster care. So I really like, you know, all that they stand for and I enjoy what I do. I mean, you kind of just like, we list books online. They have like an online bookstore kind of. So that's what you do, um, but I really like what they stand for, so I like volunteering with them. Thank you. Commissioner Taylor is absent. Commissioner Knox. As of right, as of right now, I am focused on getting this Special Olympics done for our school. For John F. Kennedy, I work alongside of what what we call the SPED department at our school, which is special. We have, we have a thing going on right now with the Special Olympics, which is our school will partner with other schools, and other schools will have will have a a soccer game on our football field, and it'll be going. It won't be going to touchdown to touchdown, but sideline to sideline, if that makes sense. There'll be five games ran on the field, and I am in charge of that this year in charge of emailing students for, for help, um, emailing other schools, asking them are they still willing to participate, et cetera, like that. So right now, that is my focus as of right now. Uh, and that's about it. That's all I'm doing right now. Thank you. Chair Sue. Okay, cool. Um, so kind of like Commissioner Morley was saying, um, senior year has been a slam, working on college apps, um, taking the SAT next weekend and stuff. So my brain's um, a little bit scattered. Um, but recently, since uh, my internship with Youth Forward over the summer, I've been working 
um, with Ibesi and a lot of other community organizations to draft a youth survey um, about the four of the five Measure, on measure L um, fund goals. So it'll be all of them except for um, youth ages zero for five. Um, and these surveys are um, meant to be targeted towards um, youth in high schools. And hopefully they'll be sent out to a whole bunch of Sacramento area high schools um, in your classes, you'll get opportunities to fill out these surveys about um, covering all of the four fun goals. So it's uh, mental health, violence, substance abuse. Um, like I said, brain is housing. housing, yes. Um, so those are the four fun goals that we're going to be asking about. And basically, there will be a whole bunch of different um, questions targeted about the prevalence of these types of issues in your community. Um, and types of solutions as um, that you see in your community. And we will be um, drafting these surveys, sending them out, and then collecting um, the data and compiling the data, hopefully to be presented to both the Measure L Planning and Oversight Commission and the Sacramento Youth Commission, um, so that when we begin to collaborate, um, we can have um, a baseline understanding of the youth perspective on these issues. Um, yeah, okay, um, next thing, kind of. Um, I've also been in the loop a lot with the recent um, city politics that's been happening around the youth advisory liaison. Um, for the commissioners who are kind of a little bit less aware, I'll just give you a quick update. Um, so last, I don't remember exactly when, but before um, four of the new council members came on, um, council member Mai Vang and former council member Jay Chenier push to have a youth advisory liaison seat um, sitting on the city council. So this would be um, a young person who would have the opportunity to sit on the city council, um, although not elected by, um, not elected officially like by the public, there would be a process to choose this young person and basically they would not have a vote um, on issues of the city council, but they would be sitting at the dais on all city council meetings, would get all the agendas um, and have opportunities to provide um, comment during the meetings on the um, items um, presented to the city council. Um, and so basically the idea of this is that uplifting a youth directly to the city council gives um, youth voice another layer um, in local government to be able to um, advocate for our needs. Because as we know, the Sacramento Youth Commission, um, that is our purpose to advocate for youth in the city, but we don't have the opportunity to actually sit at the dais um, and be able to provide those types of comments um, directly to city council members and have kind of our voice highlighted on the dais. Um, so although the amendment or the um, the resolution, I guess, I'm not exactly sure of like the exact wording, was approved by the council members at the time when the new council members came on, there was a little bit of friction because um, they felt that they didn't have the opportunity to approve this. Um, so recently at the September 19th, um, PNPE meeting, which is a committee under the city council, stands for personnel and public employees. Um, Commissioner, council member Kaplan um, proposed an amendment to the youth advisory liaison proposal, basically eliminating the position and saying that um, every city board, every city board and commission should have a youth seat instead. Um, and the whole idea, I guess, of the youth advisory liaison was to have both input from the Youth Commission about what we think about this process and from the City Council and Council members and stuff like that. Um, 
for some who are here, who've been here, I think maybe like a year or something, we've um, had this item presented to us. Um, it may sound familiar, um, and that's when we provided feedback. But um, I guess speaking from a personal opinion, this is no longer a summary of events that have happened. Um, I find it frustrating that Commissioner Kaplan just decided to go ahead with this amendment without consulting um, the Youth Commission and speaking on our behalf without consulting us, and I think that's part of the problem with not having a youth on the dais um, and a, a young person that's directly elevated to city council, city council to have our voice um, there. So um, I've been working with Commissioner Valenzuela, my, uh, Commissioner Vang, um, Council Member Valenzuela, Council Member Vang, um, to kind of work things out. Um, so I'm going to request that next meeting we have a discussion about the youth advisory liaison. Um, and in both like the presentation of the packet and the discussion, I'd like um, to include both Commissioner Councilmember Kaplan's amendment at the September 19th PNPE meeting, as well as Councilmember Valenzuela's implementation plan um, that was presented at the PNPE meeting. Um, I'd also like to request that the city clerk present this item um, because they are listed as the official contact um, under this item for PMPE, as well as the um, person who is supposed to work on the implementation of the Youth Advisory Liaison. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what has been happening, I guess. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, I'll defer to staff, but um, uh, the first thing is commissioners cannot direct staff to give presentations, uh, so you cannot request, or rather you can request, but you cannot direct that the clerk's office provide a presentation. Um, and also, we can't have the, we can't go outside of the purview of the duties and responsibilities of the commission to the extent that we are questioning or looking at analyzing PMPEs uh, behavior. That would be an after-the-fact scenario where the Youth Commission has already had the opportunity of providing uh, its advice and recommendations regarding the ordinance. And listen, I drafted it, so, uh, you know, uh, I, I did what I could, but we have uh, certain processes in place um, and it filters through. PNPE has made a decision at this juncture, and at this point in time, I believe staff is are, are conducting some research, and more importantly, ultimately, the buck stops with city council, and it will percolate to council making an ultimate decision on um, that rezo. Um, but anyway, that's the general lay of the land. I, I would defer to staff in regards to calendaring anything tangential on the subject. I'm gonna need more clarity on what it is that you want. Um, so I would just like, uh, because Council, Council Member um, Kaplan proposed this amendment without consulting the Youth Commission, um, I would like the Youth Commission to have an opportunity to provide input on what we think about um, the Youth Advisory Liaison in general, um, again, for new commissioners, possible areas or plans for implementation, as well um, as specific thoughts, as, although this was my general idea, although um, Kurt just said it's not possible, specific thoughts on the amendment, as well as 
Councilmember Valenzuela's implementation plan. I think that um, because they consulted us previously for the previous plan but have not consulted us for the new plan when they're moving forward with this implementation, um, if it doesn't feel like it is a circumvention of the process that was supposed to be in place. Um, so I just like to get something on the agenda so that we can provide some sort of feedback. If it's not specifically about what happened at PNP, I think that's okay. So it came up at PMPE and it was turned down that it was supposed to come to SYC. So I think that we need to pause and take direction from PNPE where it was put to rest. And it's gonna go back to council and they can then make a decision, but we can't say, we don't like what you did. We need to put it on agenda item. Um, so, I, I mean, if there's something else that Kurt can add to that, I, I, you go ahead. I just know that the direction was that it's going from PNPE to city council. And the chair of PNPE specifically said no. And so we need to follow that as an advisory body. So when we are asked for our advice or we are asked for feedback um, from city council or from a committee, um, that's part of the scope and responsibilities that I read. I, I think the only thing I would add is neither, you know, on a technical level uh, or any other level, is there a prohibition uh, against anyone uh, who is a member of this commission from voicing their opinions, providing their advice? Um, they are empowered to do so. Um, likewise, everyone here has the ability to attend uh, PNPE and city council meetings. Um, the question at this juncture, I think, is really an interplay between the time we have left on the calendar year, the schedule with the uh, youth position uh, on council, the advisory position, and whether or not staff have the bandwidth to calendar, or rather to notify or to agendize uh, any, any particular act, action item. Um, you know, it might be appropriate, and, and, and again, I have to defer to staff, it might be appropriate that we, we calendar something um, for a, not a report back, but a status update on uh, where we are uh, with the advisory position once a resolution has been arrived at by city council. But uh, again, let me reiterate, should city council agendize this thing? Um, should this be on calendar? Uh, everyone in this room has the ability to appear at city council uh, and voice their opinion directly to council members uh, at that forum. Okay, um, so I'm hearing loud and clear that we're not allowed to provide input, feedback, any type of thing on stuff that's happened at PNP. Would it at all be possible to just have a general presentation on what has happened um, in terms of the youth advisory liaison and then opening discussion for commission members at the next meeting. Yeah, I, I would have to defer to staff in regards to the calendaring, but you are correct, Chair. There is obviously no denying the fact that this is an important and youth-related topic. 
okay? It's within the purview um, for all intents and purposes of this commission. What we don't want to do, yes, is we just don't want to um, second guess a legislative um, decision made by a subcommittee of council. Um, but I would have to defer to staff considering we are in October. I don't know what the commission log looks like presently in regards to items, um, uh, but I, I would hand it to uh, Sarah. Uh, we can add it on a log. I cannot guarantee that it's gonna come before the end of the year. Um, you know, there's a lot that still needs to shake out with it too. So, um, you know, as far as adding something to the log, are you asking for like a synopsis of events and a timeline of, of you know, when Shanir or when council member Shanir put it on and then the new council members came on, you know, that timeline, is that what you're asking for? Because what we can do is we as staff can pull each one of those council meeting minutes and give you our videos and send you the links to those and you can actually watch. We'll pinpoint the time frame. Watch from 39 minutes, 47 seconds to the end of the item um, and give you that dialogue. I think that's gonna be the easiest way for us so then we can give you that information. Um, but again, if we add it to the log, I just, there's no guarantee of when that can, when we can shake it out. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, my response to that one. Okay, cool. Um, I do, I like the idea of um, sending out the, the um, meetings with the timestamps and stuff like that, but I do also think that it's important to have um, an official discussion as a commission um, about what we think, not providing input um, and comments on what has already happened, um, just um, to both, well, to kind of um, to create a baseline understanding for us as commissioners as well as create avenues for personal advocacy outside of the space um, for things that we want to see happen. So um, I still like to move forward with um, requesting that we have an agenda item with um, just like Sarah said, kind of a timeline um, and language that still stands from um, amendments that commission, um, Council Member Kaplan made um, about the youth advisory liaison at the soonest possible business meeting, if possible. Um, Commissioner Moore, I saw you had a hand. No more. I'm trying to be careful of how I articulate this. Okay, so I do not want to question a legislative decision made or what happened in that meeting. Um, it's just that if we constantly have new commissioners that have come on and we originally did give our feedback and input on this, it just doesn't really make sense to me that it's like we, they represent what we thought. Because what if they have something that they think and we did not tell who presented this to us like what they thought. So if, and I know there's different processes and all that, but if council members are able to say they were not elected at that time when this was proposed by council member Bang, then why can't we do the same and have some kind of dialogue? I was just trying to take piggyback off of what Chair Sue was saying in a way, but I'm trying not to make it seem like I am critiquing what was said at that meeting. Yeah, and that's understood. And I believe that, um, you know, PMPE's decision as far as the body's decision wasn't based on council being reseated, but uh, I, you know, I, I defer on that. I think that the, the issue is as far as rules and procedure go, we just wanna make sure that we are within the bounds of the duties and responsibilities of the commission, and that is, as Sarah indicated, an advisory body. 
um, to the extent that City Council or PNPE requested input regarding implementation, marketing, outreach, things of that nature regarding this, that would slot in. Um, in regards to the timeline of the council seat itself, it was presented, it was voted on, it was passed, and part of that process was to get it through PNPE. As part of that process, there was a specific designated period for um, the input from this commission. I believe the former chair was, uh, for lack of better words, nominated and presented uh, orally at the uh, city council meeting where it was passed. So that input opportunity has occurred as requested um, but at this point in time, like I said, it's not going to stop. There is nothing that would stop anyone from attending the city council meeting and expressing any ideas, opinions, or frustration for that matter. Um, but it just gets a little wonky when we're in a situation where PNPE has made a decision we have bypassed the juncture, uh, the formal juncture by which the commission was engaged. And um, it would be, I imagine, tantamount to the commission saying they disapprove of PNPE's decision. Um, and, and that's where we go outside of the bounds of the, the commission's purview. Okay, thank you everyone for the discussion um, and input. It's very helpful. Um, okay. Uh, this item, oh, not wrong page. Okay. The last item is public comments matters not on the agenda. Um, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on matters not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. Yes, we have two speakers that would like to speak. The first speaker is Mr. Davis. Right here? Can you see it? Huh? Okay, all right. My name is, is it, can you see it? If not, I'll leave it to somebody, you can get it to them. Oh, yeah. Modern technology. I have one, Mr. Davis, that I can share. Oh, good. Okay. Um, one thing I don't do is waste time, so I won't waste your time now. Uh, usually, can you hear me? Okay, usually I don't come down here because we can call in. And I'm dressed like this because I just got off work. And I wanted to show you how important you are to me as the youth commission, the, the future is right here. And you're looking at the thing that impresses me is different nationalities, different cultures, different races, and that's what a cheesecake appeals to. It appeals to most races, most cultures, and both sexes. And if you know anything about business, that's demand, supply, demand, carve a niche. Now, what I wanted to announce tonight is that our cheesecakes have gone viral. And we 
are getting ready to flood the state of California with our mother's pumpkin and New York cheesecakes. This was just accomplished. We also were voted the best cheesecakes in Northern California, 4th of July. We have a manufacturer in LA, so we're not pipe dreaming. And any of you who have any brilliant ideas, you contact us, and I have one of the best assistants. She's one of the best to keep me away from that social media and concentrate on cheesecakes. And if you are, I want to end by saying that a computer cannot make a cheesecake. You have to hire people. So if you're interested, we're looking for people like you. So that's it. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Angela. Everyone, good evening. Um, my name is Angela Maldonado. I'm actually the Youth Program Manager at the Latino Coalition for Healthy California. Um, we are a, I think that works. Um, we are a, oh. <laughs> There we go. Thank you. We are a, a state nonprofit that focuses on passing legislation that supports and promotes Latino health all over the state. Um, but I actually work locally at um, one of your local high schools, Burbank, um, and I support our ZVI program. It stands for Gen Z Visionary Youth Building Empowerment. And what I teach my students is kind of what you guys are doing today, um, how to be civically involved, um, what does it look like to talk about these issues. So I have some of my students that will be curating presentations. We will also have a panel discussion with youth leaders from Sacramento. Um, we'll have free food, games, um, just like a really good time for everyone in your family. So I really hope to see some of you guys there. It's taking place October 15th. Um, and it'll be at Southside Park. Um, so you guys will see us right in front of the mural. There's going to be a lot of resources, so you guys can't miss us. And we're gonna have a DJ as well, so you guys, you guys can't see us, you guys can hear us. Um, and please follow that in Ventbrite. If you guys have your phones, please take a picture, post it on Instagram. We're at ZVibeSAC, um, or SACZVibe. But yeah, um, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Hope to see you guys there. Thank you for your comments. Chair, I have no other speakers for this item. Great, okay. Um, I'd just like to say a few more things. Um, another thing that I've been doing, I have been working since the summer with um, Angela and Youth Forward and SAC. It's first to plan this event. So I will be at the event. I will be speaking on the panel. Um, so it'd be great to see some familiar faces. Um, bring your community, bring people, bring your network, bring your organization. It's gonna be a great opportunity to connect with other youth leaders in Sacramento um, and just have, have a fun time. Um, okay, going back to our Youth Advisory Liaison discussion, like Kurt was saying, I would encourage all of you to attend the City Council meeting when they discuss the Youth Advisory Liaison. Write letters personally, you can't write from the commission, but write as a commissioner to your City Council members, um, encouraging them to do whatever you think may be good. Um, and just be a part of this process. I think I'm trying to um, bring this to the commission to not only allow us to have a discussion, but to um, enable you guys to 
have more agency outside of our meetings, have more opportunities to engage yourself um, in ways that we can really affect public policy in the city. Um, so that's how I'll end it. Uh, that concludes today's agenda. Thank you, everyone, for your participation. This meeting is adjourned at 728.